Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then I start going through the scales. You say, you practice? I say, yeah, I practice. I start going through the scales. I didn't practice. Ding, <laughs> ding. So pretty soon, Wicker Smith will be sleeping. <laughs> and then I would just finish the scale. And then I was, I was, I was 15. I was 13. I didn't want to wake him up. So I just waited wait for him to wake up. And he go, okay, that was good. Let me, let me teach you uh, some uh, Beatles songs. <laughs> That's awesome. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. from us virtually is g love of g love and special sauce how are you sir i'm good how are you guys doing man we are so great and and uh and you are here as our artist in residence for philadelphia are you ready to represent i'm i'm full on repping um all my sixers gear tonight uh actually i don't even know his last name but dan the equipment manager for the sixers just Uh sent us this Huge box of all those Sixers gear yesterday, so I'm full on. I repping love it. The first, the first <laughs> artist in residence dressing for the part. Okay, man. Um, I was going to say that I don't want to jinx anything, but as we speak, the Sixers are up 34. It's looking good. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, wow. I don't think you could. Yeah, hopefully you can't jinx that. <laughs> I'd be hard to. They're playing the Pistons at home, and they're and uh, they got the scrubs in in the third quarter. So I'm feeling okay. I'm feeling pretty good about it. So, um, well, so it's important that we get Philadelphia right. It is my wife is from Philadelphia. She and she's from actual Philadelphia. She's from Germantown. She's not from like Winwood or Villanova. So she's a city girl. So we had to get this right. So for those of you who are not familiar. Well, with G Love's work, I was trying to come up with a description of your sound. You'll have to tell me how I did. I was like, you take some traditional folk blues and you give it a Rolling Stonesy faces looseness and then push it through a very cool 90s modern kind of soul coughing filter. You get uh, you get the G Love and special sauce sound. So that was my attempt to wrap up your your sound in 11 seconds. So I, I, I like it. Uh, we call it the hip hop blues. Yeah, uh, it's it's funny you mentioned soul coffin because like they were like, because um, because we were all contemporaries, you know. So um, if you think back to 
the early nineties um, and kind of the first kind of alternative units to use hip hop um, in a secondary way, other yep. than being yep. the pure hip hop uh, thing. You, you can name just a couple groups. Um, yeah. Soul Coughing was one of them. G11 Special Sauce is one of them. There was a band, I think, out of Holland called Urban Dance Squad. Oh, sure. You had the, uh, the Goats out of Philadelphia. Um, of course, Rage Against the Machine. Of course, The Roots out of Philadelphia. Um, and look, I'm sure there was a couple other, uh, many, and of course, Beck out of the West Coast. But yeah. um, it's pretty unique time because um, if you ever like read the Tim Ferriss uh, I'm sorry, the Malcolm Gladwell books, um, like the outliers, right. um, and kind of think about it like that. If you think about the early nineties, right, we were the first kind of generation of kids to grow up with hip hop, um, from the eighties. Right. Um, so then when we came of age, we all flipped it in a different way. Like we, we blended our hip hop with Delta blues, jazz, funk and rock and roll, you know, the roots were um, Philly kids that grew up, you know, whatever, 20 blocks away from me, all the class of 1991. Um, they went to Kappa, I went to GFS, mm -hmm. and they, they kind of figured out a backdoor into hip-hop using their live instrumentation to make hip-hop. And um, Soul Coughing, um, you know, Mike Dowdy was probably a year, a couple years older than me. Matter of fact, a street musician friend of mine from Boston, his older sister, this guy was named Ford and Murdy, uh, his, right now he goes by the artist name of Reverend Freakchild. His <laughs> older sister was dating Mike Dowdy at the time. How about so that? When I was a street musician, he was like, yeah, you got to check out my sister's boyfriend's guy has his band Soul Coffin. And then like months later, we were showcasing with them in New York. So it was like a oh, really awesome small community of people and of course michael franti and spearhead so a little small alternative um hip-hop community it was, yeah. it was pretty cool well you named a, a number of philadelphia bands there it, this is the 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 question that puts you on the spot when you think of philadelphia and the philadelphia music scene who comes to mind like the top three quintessential philly acts for you oh man wow <laughs> I told well, you. I mean, <laughs> we 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 have a song um on my new record. Oh, I just happened. Where's that vinyl? I saw. Uh, I don't know. Philadelphia, Philadelphia, Mississippi is my new. Hold on one sec. Yeah. It's right Philadelphia, Mississippi. I was listening to it tonight in preparation. <laughs> Here's the new album. There it is. On, on, on the last song on the whole record is called "The Philly Sound," and we kind of name drop a, a lot of. All the Philadelphia musicians, but to answer your question, if I was going to pick the top three, that's really tough. But um, the ones that popped in my head were Hall and & Oates and then um, and the Hooters. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I got to give shots to the Goats because uh, nice. they were a big influence back in the day. But then there's so many more. George Thorogood, The Roots. Um uh the dead the dead milkman ween uh, i mean there's so many great oh, I acts for i yeah. forgot ween was from philly Golly. So awesome so many well let me ask you uh a question about 
where where you played. I mean, I know I know you kind of left early and came to Boston and and feel free. You know, we had Tanya Donnelly on um, with our last podcast about Boston. But anything you want to say about Boston is OK by me. Oh, my God. Stop it. Tim is from Austin. And uh, we did three freaking podcasts in a row about the New England area. We are moving on, my friend. So what I'd love to know is uh, the kind of venues uh, that maybe you grew up going to as a teenager or maybe uh, venues that you played in Philly. What are some go to music venues? Well, you know, the ones that are still around, there's the classic TLA, the Theater of Living Arts on South Street, uh, around the corner from where I grew up. Down the street from there is J.C. Dobbs, uh, which is on the corner of 3rd and South Street. And that was called the Pontiac Grill for a while, but now I think it's reverted back to J.C. Dobbs. That's a pretty iconic uh, venue in the 70s and 80s. um, And one of the first gigs we played. you had places like um, way back in the 80s, Grendel's Lair on South Street. Mm-hmm. And then there was a Kyber Pass pub on 2nd Street in Old City, which is now like a restaurant. But that was a pretty killer spot. Um, of course, the Electric Factory, you know, the Chestnut Cabaret, the Tower Theater, and then the legendary places like the Spectrum. Yeah, the Man big, Music big Center, The Tower Theater. So there, there's a lot of Philadelphia is a, a wonderful town like Boston in the sense that there's a lot of like venues of all sizes. And and now right. even more than ever with the Fillmore. And um, I mean, there, there's just a ton of, of ton of ton of killer venues now. That's really cool. Well, I mean, it, it begs the question. I don't I, I don't know how much you want to get into this, but what what prompted you to go to boston when philly has had such a great music scene already did you just want to kind of spread your wings and check out a new place yeah no it's a great question i mean um part of it is just because i was born and raised in philly and it's a even though it's a huge city it's also a small town and i just felt like i wanted to get away and not know anybody to really focus on my craft um then there was also the fact that in Philadelphia, um, to to busk, you know, to be a street performer was technically illegal. So I used to play out on South Street, and, and you know, every once in a while you get kicked off by the cops. Like if it was a busy night or whatever, they were wow. like, you know, really eat it out of here. Yeah, and it wasn't even though like when I grew up in the in the seventies and eighty, because I grew up right by South Street. I grew up on Second and Pine, um, and there was a ton of street performers there's jugglers magicians guys okay. played mozart on the glasses um folk singers drum circles everything um but it was all technically like illegal so in boston they had a uh, a program to kind of support street musicians where for 25 dollars you could you could go to inman square in cambridge and go to the city hall there and get your street performers license yeah, how about that? and um so that that was you know, a reason, one of the reasons other than having uh, a, a friend of a friend of a friend that needed a roommate <laughs> um, that I, <laughs> that I wound up there and met, met the special sauce. So that was why I, 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 I went there and, but then it was funny cause then we got discovered out of Philly. So then I went, oh, that's hilarious. Right. Oh it was gosh. pretty cool. 
Yeah, really amazing. <laughs> I love I love that description of it as a big city in a small town. I really that really yeah. resonates with me. Yeah, it is because you know, you you know you walk around Philly and um, even the even this day, like even though I haven't lived, I live in Massachusetts now myself. Um, you know, I still every time I walk around Philly, I'm just like, I walk around the neighborhood. I, I run into my friends' parents. Yeah, you know, shop shop owners. It, it is like that. If you you grew up in the city, you know, you you walk, you can't go a block without being, hey, you know, Mister yeah. So and So. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, what town do you live in in Massachusetts? Oh my God. I live in uh, I live in Orleans at the, uh, down on the Cape. Yeah, sure, great. Yeah, I grew up in Situate. I could go on and oh, on right. about it, but I won't. <laughs> but he won't. He'll stop talking about Massachusetts now and ask you a Philadelphia question. <laughs> hey, so G Love, what is it? Um, what do you think you take with you, or or how do you think Philadelphia has informed your artistic career, the artistic choices you make? I mean. In some ways, you still, I mean, clearly the, the gear is still on you. Uh, do you think Philadelphia is still inside you? It's something in the water. <laughs> nice. There it is. Water. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's, um, it, you know, it's everything. It's like, um, you know, like if we think about the movie Rocky Bell, Rocky, yeah. that really, yeah. it really truly embodies the spirit of that character. It truly embodies the spirit of Philadelphia. I feel, and and I say that, you know, in all seriousness, and, uh, and with emotional attachment. Because of course, if there's if you want to cry, there's a couple of movies you can put on. You can put on ET, yeah, or you can put on Rocky. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> Rocky won. <laughs> yeah, but like, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, it's the city of the underdog, and Philly's like a nitty gritty city. You know, between DC and and New York, it's um, if you, it's just kind of the, it's a working man city. It's, it's got a soul. It's got a rhythm. It's integrated. Um, if you specifically speak about like the 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 you know the neighborhoods in Philadelphia, how it's a really walkable city, so that you know. In the day, you'd say oh, you don't want to walk too far in one direction on any in any direction because you're going to end up somewhere where you're not really welcome, yeah. and that's like a real thing because there would be like you know Italian neighborhood, black neighborhood, sorry, Puerto Rican neighborhood, Chinese neighborhood, Irish neighborhood, Polish neighborhood, and you know in, in the seventies and eighties these were really kind of insular right na- neighborhoods, you know, um, and that was kind of real, but at the same time. You, you know, I played basketball league, um, and so you, 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 we'd had this integration with people from different neighborhoods, aka different cultures, different races and religions, and so there was a lot of togetherness, right? There was a lot of separate. Right. So it just, just specifically when I to talk about Boston, you know, when I moved to Boston, Boston, I really felt like you know, was really segregated um, yeah. in, in a different, and and this is a, t- a tough thing to talk about, but I felt like, wow, like, you know, in the center city of Boston, it was very white, you know, cause like I lived in Jamaica Plains at first and I was at the time very Latino, mm. right? And then next yeah. door was like Roxbury and Dorchester, which were the black neighborhoods. Right. Of course, now there's like, now everything's 
a lot gentrified and everything. And that's the same thing as it is in every city across the country. But um, I felt like in Philadelphia, the racial and cultural lines were a lot more blurred because of places like South Street and stuff like that. Um, and, and that was a, it's a special thing. Um, and, and that created a culture of the youth, right? With skateboarding, you know, the hip hop culture, like graffiti writing, basketball, like all the basketball courts. So there was, um, as like a white kid growing up in the city, you know I mean? I could be, um, exposed and be a part of all of this inner city culture, like the stuff I just mentioned yeah. and, and be, be a part of it in, in a certain kind of way. And, and that is exactly what led me to be like the musician that, that I was. Right. That right. I am. Because your music itself tries to bring together all these seemingly disparate entities into one. Yeah, for sure. Like my music, you know, is goes between folk music, you know, blues music, which has nothing to do with Philadelphia, but everything to do with the black experience. Uh-huh. Hip hop, hip hop, which was Philadelphia was one of the orig- uh, original you know, epicenters of hip, of hip hop when it started right. in the African American community and rock and roll um, and all this different stuff. So it was all happening right there. And it was all, it was all coming together. Like so cool. in, in, in places like South street. Um, so that was, it's really, it's really cool. To, like I, I can talk about it from like a social, like, you know, oh, yeah. historian kind of way. Oh, like, yeah. All night long. Yeah. All night long. <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> uh, we we would listen because we're right with you this is kind of the the stuff we teach um so it's really neat to hear it from you there's a you know you were saying like that outlier you mentioned outliers there's something that's just inherently an outlier position when you're an early when you make an early attempt to to create hybrids right where you have this thing well this is our thing and this is your thing and they trying to find the authentic interaction between those two things and turn it into this third new thing that lots of people have access to. That's always the first people who do that are always taking a leap of faith that they are authentically connected to multiple spaces at once. And their art can do that at the same time. And, and uh, sometimes for some people that art is just making social connections. And for some, it's actually making the literal art that makes those social connections It's you know, yeah pretty cool yeah i mean like i i had a line in in a rap that i made it was like white white kids rapping black kids playing rock cheesesteak fried onions party on the block (laughs) (laughs) one of my dear friends and my bandmate um chuck trees who's touring with me um and who who was who was my partner in making the Philadelphia Mississippi album. And he yeah. wrote many of these tunes on here uh, and produced the album. Um, Chuck is, is, a, is just the same, the same way that like, you know, my life is kind of, you know, crossed the tracks, as you could say, his life also crossed the tracks in the sense that he was, he's a Philadelphia kid. He's the first uh, African-American um person to be on the cover of thrasher skate magazine in the 80s so yeah and he's also one of the founding members of the black rock coalition that you know showcases people like uh you know living color and fishbone 
bad brains, this whole kind of outlier community of uh, African-American rock and roll musicians. Yeah. Um, So again, it's just, it's just this really cultural stew, you know what I mean? And, and, And that's what music and sports have the, the ability to do is to get people together and get people to cross those lines. And, and what, what greater thing could, could you, could you hope to achieve than that? You know? Right. Yep, absolutely. absolutely. I play um I played bass for Angela Moore, Fishbone, in a solo thing for several years, and just watching wow. watching how that guy can just connect. I mean, he turns a crowd into a single entity in about forty five seconds, and he's always right. been that way. And it's because yeah. he he just did not respect or acknowledge that there were lines he wasn't supposed to step over. Right. Right. Hey, a habitual line stepper, to quote Charlie Murphy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I told you, uh, I told you we'd only grab 20 minutes of your time or so. So I, I, I if I could ask one final question, the, um, cause I do like this, this, this kind of gets a little personal. I, I mean, do you have a favorite musical memory, whether it's being a kid in Philadelphia or a musical memory as, as an adult performing and getting on stage in Philadelphia, like, what 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 warms your heart when you think of music in Philadelphia and your own life? Well, that, I'm just going to go with the first thing that pops in my head, and it's totally Philadelphia-centric. Uh-huh. And it goes back to the South Street days, but if anybody listening remembers Waco Smith, who was kind of a legendary South Street character, he was from Waco, Texas. He was... Um, his his office was the payphone on on Third and South, and <laughs> um, and and my mother put a sign up at the AMP, which was a supermarket, with you know the pull off things. You know my son needs guitar lessons, and I started studying with this guy Waco Smith. And growing up, he, this guy was like five three. Every day of the year, no matter how hot or cold it was, he'd wear a red flannel shirt jeans cut off at the shoes because they were you couldn't buy a pair of jeans with that short of a leg oh, right oh man Cow, cowboy boots and those um brown work gloves with the red felt interior yeah and um and a lot of people thought he was homeless why did he wear his gloves he wears gloves because he was classically trained juilliard uh flamingo and classical guitarist he had wow. his nails done uh but i would I took guitar lessons from. So my musical memory from Philadelphia is studying with Waco Smith. And I'd be up in his one, his little apartment where he had one light, one chair, or no, two chairs, one single bed, a half empty bottle of Jack Daniels, chair <laughs> bathroom down the hall. And then I start going through the scales. He say, you practice? I say, yeah, I practice. I start going through the scales. I didn't practice. Dang. <laughs> Dang. So pretty soon Wicko Smith will be sleeping. <laughs> and I would just finish the scale. And then I was I was I was 15. I was 13. I didn't want to wake him up. So I just wait wait for him to wake up. And he go, okay, that was good. Let me let me teach you uh some uh Beatles songs. <laughs> That's awesome. Wake Smith. That's so much better than like the piano teacher like has the one bedroom apartment and a giant piano with like the yeah. rock candy on it like that's a much better first teacher <laughs> falling asleep during your lesson well i gotta tell you when i was teaching out in las vegas in uh 96 
And uh, my volleyball players were all excited to go see Dave Matthews. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going. <laughs> I'm going too. And they're like, what, coach? You're going to Dave Matthews? I'm like, well, actually, I'm going to G-Love and Special Sauce. And they, okay. <laughs> they were like, who the heck is G-Love and Special Sauce? I'm like, oh, wait do you get a load of G-Love and Special Sauce. I was like, I've seen him a bunch of times. He's great. I see them uh, in between sets at the Thomas Mack Center in, in Vegas and uh, Anne-Marie Bradford. I was like, what'd you think? She goes, Coach, Coach, he sang a song about cold beverages. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's the thing. That's why it's great. So That's awesome. That's awesome. I, I completely remember that show at UNLV. Actually, yeah. I remember that show because – I have a list of stupid things that I said have said to Dave Matthews over the years. Okay. What'd you say? That probably, well, that was probably the first, one of the first ones I said, cause Dave's like the sweetest guy ever. Uh-huh. And actually that, that night, that day of that show, um, I had lunch with him at catering uh-huh. and, um, and I was telling him about my friend Jasper's band. And I said to Dave, I said, these guys are so awesome, man. They would win any battle of the bands. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that was the first stupid thing I, I said to Dave. A lot, a lot of other ones said that, but he's a sweet, sweet, sweet. <laughs> All right. Well, G Love, thank you so much for being. Oh, and you're coming to my hometown. You're coming to Asheville on February 8th. Yep. Salvage cannot Station. Wait. Cannot wait. I'll see you at Salvage Station. I will be there. Uh, so, G Love and Special Sauce album came out last year called Philadelphia, Mississippi. He's on tour right now. Check him out. You're on tour for like three months, right? Yeah, on tour forever. So if anyone wants okay. to find more about me, they go to um, Twitter at GLove, Philly GLove on Instagram, GLove and Special Sauce on Facebook. All right. Uh, if anybody's into NFTs, you can mint your free GLove <laughs> NFT at nft.philadelphonic.com. And, um, Wow. Yeah, there's links to everything on the Twitter and stuff. So thanks, guys. That Sweet. was a pleasure. Thanks. Love, Great. Tim, love. do you hear how he's got all that information That's ready amazing. for listeners? Gotta, yeah. One of these <laughs> days, we might even like have We might even account. get that there. Yeah. Someday. Go, go Eagles. Go Eagles. All <laughs> right. Oh, exactly. Hey, Pat, thanks so much. A pleasure we'll to meet you. See you later. All best. Bye, G. Right, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for Season 2 of the Wanna Bet Podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that Season 2 starts August 18th. 
but I like airplane. I know you do, but WannaBet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid. Electric acid.